Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I had to go about it, write it out, and find it myself, and there's some stories I can tell you. This is The Final Word Story Time. Jeff Lemon and Bharat Sundaresan with you. Adam Collins is looking after a brand new tiny baby. And Bharat and I do not have a tiny baby to look after unless you count this podcast, which is a pretty huge baby by this point. It's several years old and it's growing increasingly hungry for our time. The Australian Test match summer is done. Parat, you're at home, you're kicking back. You must feel somewhat confused to be not at a Test match at this point in time. Uh, yeah, and it's weird, right? The cricket hasn't stopped. The other day I saw net sessions of Manus and Steve Smith in coloured clothing and hitting a white ball and it all felt very weird because there mm. was this fair farewell sense to the Sydney Test. Uh, you're saying goodbyes to everybody uh, <laughs> only to realise that within three weeks we'll all be together at the start of an exciting cracking Test series, the greatest ever, India v Australia <laughs> in India. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there are there is a there is a room for farewells anymore in the mm-hmm. cricket calendar. Are you ready for that? I mean, you have to lead an intrepid band of Australian Oof. journalists. You're the captain for this tour. You've got a lot of responsibility ahead of you over the Border Gavaska series. Yeah, I mean, I've already like, <laughs> I've already been stumped uh, as captain because I very proudly started the WhatsApp group that you are a part of. Call it India, Yar, uh, which I'll explain to you in detail. I think I, you know why I, I call it India, Yar. Mm-hmm. I tried to explain it into to the others in the group as well. But I, I did write to the uh, Indian media manager asking him about accreditation uh, before I created the WhatsApp group and very confidently said, don't worry, guys, I've asked the Indian guy, we'll have the accreditation email soon. Uh, and then as you noticed, Louis Cameron, our dear friend from Craig.com.au, then says, hey, guys, does anyone need accreditation <laughs> or the the application to uh, for the accreditation? I have it. And I'm like, yeah, can you please send it to me? <laughs> I, I, haven't, I haven't received it either. So not a great start for Bharat's captaincy in India. Mm-hmm. But hey, look, uh, I was inspired by Ajas Patel, who went to Bombay after all those years and took uh, a tenfer. All 10 in uh, in innings, only the third guy to do that. So he's my inspiration. Mm-hmm. So I'm going there after what, four and a half years or so. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm backing myself. I had a very good, strong start to my captaincy career in Sri Lanka, except mm-hmm. the fact that I fell sick. Uh, so I'm backing myself to uh, really, re- this is my, this is where I come of age. And then I lead the mighty Australia <laughs> to England for the, for the World Test Championship final first and, and then the Ashes. Because see, mm-hmm. if, I'm captain in Sri Lanka and India and you suddenly like put someone else in place for England. 
well, yeah, you know, that doesn't have a good ring to it, does it? I mean, it is a bit of a rotation policy, isn't it? I'm, I, I'm not sure if you can keep the job on a full-time basis, but maybe if you do well enough, maybe if, as you say, you left India a boy and you will return a man, then, you know, but who can deny <laughs> you in England? I'll leave, I'll leave that to others to decide uh, when we come to the selection table. But for now, let's put our all into another episode of Storytime. Yes. We're going to do that via the medium of a game called Nerd Pledge. Nerd Pledge. This is how it works. In order to make this show, we need people to help fund it. And some lovely people do that and they send in contributions, but those contributions are not in the numbers you would normally expect from monetary denominations. They're very specific numbers because the number relates to cricket in some way and we have no idea how. We have to figure out mm. what it means. First cabs off the rank this week. We've got a double header. And so when you send your number in, you go on a list and the only way you can jump up the list is if you have the same number as someone ahead of you and then we pair you up because maybe the answer we give to one of you might be the answer for the other one and so on and so forth. This week, it is Mark Dixon who has sent through $1.30 in AUD and Daniel Price who's sent through the same number in pounds sterling. So Mark and Daniel, you're together with your 130s. Uh, neither had a clue that I could find, although occasionally I miss these things. So that means it's an open field. You have the number 130, you have your life and times in cricket, Bharat, and it is up to you to decide what you think it means. What have you got? I don't know, the moment I saw 130, Jeffrey, for some strange reason, the first thought that came to my mind was, Mark was scoring 130 in the 1996 World Cup. Mm -hmm. And that got me thinking about how incredible a World Cup Mark War had in 1996. Uh, you know, we're in an era where, especially the last 250 over World Cups, a lot of runs have been scored, 200s, and Rohit Sharma making 500s in 2019. Aaron Finch made 100s, Warner made 100s. But the fact that Mark War made 300s in seven innings in that 96 World Cup, it almost got Australia over the line uh, to, to, you know, what would have been their second World Cup trophy win in India. Um, just it's outrageous. I mean, Sachin Tendulkar walked away with all the honours during that World Cup. He made more runs than Mark War. He made two centuries, not three. But Mark War was just incredible. And of course, uh, so he makes 300. The 130 is against Kenya in Vishakhapatnam, which I'm very sure also marked the end of Craig McDermott's career. Mm -hmm. I don't think he played uh, uh, an international match for Australia after that. He gets injured, Jason Gillespie flies in. Uh, but but just what Mark Waugh meant to one day, one day batting. I don't think we speak enough about Mark Waugh, the one-day opener. Maybe mm -hmm. in Australia they do, but from a global sense, like when you talk of great one-day openers, you talk of Tendulkar, you talk of Chris Gale, you talk of Desmond Haynes, uh, you talk of Adam Gilchrist, uh, Saeed Anwar, David Warner, Aaron Finch, and Neri Sintam, Jason Roy, Josh Butler, all of them. Uh, just Josh Butler open a 50 opening, uh, maybe. 20 over Adler. cricket. Johnny Besto, maybe. 20 20 where you Johnny Besto, yeah, <laughs> Alex Hales, all of them. But Mark Waugh really set the trend. Even And at a time when uh, Jay Surya and Kaluvitarana were supposed to be the trendsetters, which happened right before the 96 World Cup. But Mark Waugh's his strike rate during that tournament, that 96 World Cup I checked, was 87, which is spectacular for the times, right? Mm -hmm. It's not that, I mean, Jay Surya would have that odd game, and I mean, he had that 
period in 96-97 when he was just insane. I mean, he was scoring hundreds of 50 balls and 50 or 15 balls, whatever. Ramesh Kalavatarana had a couple of innings here and there, but he, he even that famous innings I saw, I think it's two days since the 20th, I'm going to say the 26th anniversary or 25th anniversary, 27th anniversary of Kalavatarana opening in one-day cricket for the first time with Jayasura. He makes 78 of 76. Uh, but uh, 76 of 78, which is good strike rate. But the fact that Mark Waugh hit 300s mm. in seven games in a big World Cup, where his team made the final and his strike rate was 87, much like Tendulkar's, just tells you how how special he was. And, and then, you know, when you think of one-day partnerships for, for Australia, I mean, Mark Waugh, Adam Gilchrist does get spoken about quite a bit. But I don't know. I think we need to celebrate Mark Waugh, that one-day opener, a mm. lot more. Uh, and uh, I mean, that sensational World Cup also in 96 also includes that famous wide he bowled to... Sachin Tendulkar in Wankhede when I was there. I mean, I've rarely heard a pin drop at the Wankhede Stadium. That was one of those moments. So, because it took a while for people to realize what had happened, right? Like, we just see the, the wide. And then you're like, wait, wait, why is Tendulkar walking away? Like, what's happened here? Right? And I, obviously, you know, I was a born umpire. So, I knew you could be stumped off a wide. You know, unlike a lot of people uh, sitting around me, including my brother. But it was it's a surreal moment. Uh, one of one moment I'll never forget in my life. Uh, <laughs> and it was all Mark Waugh. And also, that's also around the time he became an off-spinner. I think 96 World Cup was the real, like, come, come, coming to the fore of Mark Waugh, the one-day off-spinner. I think if you, um, like in Australia particularly, if you've had an extensive test career, then it overshadows your one-day career. You say the same with Shane Watson, where everybody was so critical of his test career, but he was he's one of the all-timers for Australia in 50-over cricket, certainly, you know, one of the best batting records, yeah. one of the best chasing records, particularly, you know, averages over 50 in, in run chases and won a lot of run chases for Australia. So, yeah, it, it's interesting that it goes that way because, in a way, Gilchrist can't do what Gilchrist does if he doesn't have a solid opening partner at the other end and what he's got through that era is Mark War at the other end, also scoring quickly, also giving yeah. him the last to, to throw the bat. So I had a look at 130 in a couple of different ways. I thought we, we could go down the road of uh, it's an India test cap number for Maran Lal, who we spoke about uh, ah. at some length the other week, you and I. <laughs> so that was just a callback. But 130 felt like a score. And I was thinking, mm. you know, there are quite a few 130s. What's my favourite? You know, maybe like it's a score that Dimas Karunaratna made and we love talking about Karunaratna on the final word. He's the, the instigator of the pool party in 2019, the, the swimming pool demand that turned around Sri Lanka's campaign. Yes. Another thing that I only realised today, Bharat, his first name is not Dimuth, it's Frank. Listed on his profile, his name is Frank Dimuth Madhushanka Karunaratna. I'm tipping there are not a lot of mm. Sri Lankans getting around with the first name Frank. How did that happen? Where did Frank come from? Who was the influence in the life of his parents that inspired them to name him after Frank? Good old Frank, Frank Karunaratna. Good old Frankie Runes, you know, the big fella. Here he comes. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it took yeah. me by surprise. I enjoy it, but it was refreshing. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you do see anglicized names um, in, in Sri Lanka. I mean, uh, I'm not sure, so sure of Dimut Karnaratna's uh, background, whether he's uh, what they call in Sri Lanka as burgers, like uh, 
a mix between uh, an Anglo person and, and, and a Sri Lankan Sinhalese person. Uh, I don't think so, because I think there have been quite a few burgers who played mm. for, uh, and that's burger with an H, it's yep. B-U-R-G-H-E-R, as uh-huh. you know. But I'm not sure about uh, Dimuth's uh, uh, background, but maybe, but there are some interesting, uh, like even Ch- Chaminda was his name, right? There's a uh, Varnakula Surya, there's Pata a Joseph Bendiga. thrown in there. Vonakula yeah. Pata Bendiga, Joseph, Ushanta, Chaminda. Joseph. Yeah, I mean, Joseph's the half beat in that name. There's a Vonakula Surya. That's like the St. Kitts in the famous uh, uh, We Are the West Indies song that I have yeah. sung for you many times. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's quite quite something. Frank, we should just call him Frankie. Frankie. Yeah, Frankie. Big, big Frank. How are you yeah. Frankie? So 130s, Frankie. Poonam Rout made a 130 in a test match against South Africa in 2014 in Mysore. This is one of those ones that people forget about sometimes that India yeah. and South Africa have played a test match in the living memory. Um, big partnership of 275 with uh, Tirush Kamini, who made 192. This I like, right? They made 400 even and declared. Bowled out South Africa for 234, four-day game, so the follow-on's 150. So after bowling 110 overs, Matali Raj says, pop them back in, we'll have another bowl. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> they bowled them out in, the, what, about another 78 overs second time around. Harmanpreet Kaur ends up with nine wickets. And, um, yeah, all, the, all of this, ah, oh, got, got to bat a second time to rest your bowlers and all the rest of it, not when Natali Raj is the captain, <laughs> which is absolutely ruthless. And the last 130 that I'd throw in there would be Rachel Haynes in 2022. Um, I said in my notes this year, it wasn't this year, it was last year, uh, we have mm. had a change of year, change of management. But this was Rachel Haynes's last campaign, the 50-over World Cup, and she started it off in the first game by peeling off 130 at a runner ball, sets up 310 for three, and just as well she made a big score because Natalie Siver comes out and makes a fast, unbeaten 100, 109 not out. And it's just the Australians pegging them back mm. at the other end. Uh, England end up eight wickets down and can't quite get the momentum. They end up 12 runs short. So, um, And Rachel Haynes had a, a wonderful World Cup, made a lot of runs after that and decided to call it a day and uh, ended up... She was doing commentary with you, wasn't she, in the last couple she of test was. matches? Yeah, she was. Yeah, it was her first test um, as a commentator and she was sensational. Uh, I mean, uh, the, and you, you know why the Australian women looked at her as a leader of the group, like, you know, without not having often captained Australia at the highest level. Because she has that knack of picking out things, even even I realized when we were doing commentary of that we, we don't, like, and also having played so much cricket around the world, they, I mean, all these guys who we do commentary with have that that advantage and, 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 the, and also like what makes them more special than we are when it comes to, you know, observing things on the cricket field. Uh, it was great. I mean, even in terms of field changes and another thing i noticed was like uh I mean, she's she's so sweet right like she would laugh at a lot of things i would say but then immediately like you know it was all about the cricket for her after a point like he was like you know okay fine haha you're a haha guy but let's <laughs> go back to the cricket <laughs> like it was yeah i mean she was quite no nonsense in that sense like even though she did mm. laugh at most things i said but no she was she was brilliant and uh one day I do remember I was uh, maybe must have been the final day. I was just stood next to her. No, this is not wasn't in the commentary box in our media area. Just having a chat with her. Mm-hmm. Justin Langer just walked past and uh, he walked past us and then came back and tapped me on the shoulder and he just kept saying the same word over and over again. He just kept looking at Rachel, uh, pointing at Rachel Haynes and said, "Legend." 
legend, man, legend. And then he took a few steps, uh, uh, like steps, and then turned around, looked at me, and pointed at her and said, "Legend, man." And like you know, and she was a legend. I, I think I, I kept telling Justin, like, "You're right, you're right, Justin. He, she is a legend." But that uh, was great, great start for uh, Rachel Haynes in the commentary box. Oh, that is about the most Justin Langer thing I can imagine you saying. That's incredible. Um, right, okay, that's a double header to start with. Uh, thanks for the one thirty, Mark and Daniel Price. Now. Here's one. This is a bit of a hospital pass, I'll admit. This is from Ramaswamy, who's sent us through some puzzlers before. It's $8.16 in USD. And because I have the list, the master list of nerd pledge numbers, I'm often looking ahead. You know, I'm scrolling down the list, seeing what's coming up in the next few weeks, having a look at the clues, having a bit of a think about it. And this one, from when it first came in, when I first lodged it, I was like, I have no idea what this is about. This is cryptic, right? (laughs) So it it started off with this clue, which said this, a sequence of three numbers, only two of which led to defeats. And I didn't know where to start with this. So I sent a message back and said, okay, so 816 are these three separate numbers that led to defeats. And Ramaswamy replies and says, the sequence of numbers that we're referring to is not 81 and 6. In fact, only one of these numbers features in the sequence in part, sort of. I'm reluctant to say any more because it might unravel things quickly. You guys are too good. Well, Ramaswamy, we're not that good. We're not this good not because really. because I've been looking at this for about four weeks, anticipating it coming up and waiting for the moment for something to click. So we've got a number of 816. We've got a sequence of three numbers, which led to two defeats, but the three numbers are not 81 or 6. So, look, I said, hey, Barrett, why don't you have a look at this and see if you can figure something out? And I've um, <laughs> uncharitably dropped this one on you to see what you've got. I mean, all I can uh, say is I've met, uh, met a fair few Ramaswamis in my life, Jeffrey. I've had mm-hmm. a few Ramaswamis in uh, part of my life, friends and relatives. Mm-hmm. They're all clever. They're always too clever for you. Like they, they always stump you. So I'm not surprised that it's taken a Ramaswamy to completely mm-hmm. floor us with his uh, with his nerd pledge. Hey, and also on nerd pledge is great advertisement for the term nerd pledge because this afternoon when I was speaking to you on the phone and Isha was driving, she heard our conversation and said like, that's such a nerdy conversation. I said, that's why it's called the Nerd Pledge. So perfect. So <laughs> you nailed it. Like, you know, so each <laughs> uh, but, but going back to Ramaswamy, you know, I looked at it in so many ways and I just, like you, I just couldn't get my head around it. But you know, I never gave up. That's one thing in life you learned about mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. I'll persist and I possibly thought, and I'm I'm sure I'm, I'm not on the right track, but I thought, okay, a uh, sequence of three numbers, 816, I made different permutations and combinations. You can Mm -hmm. only make a few with those three numbers. But I thought maybe he's talking about totals. And I started looking at, uh, I mean, maybe I shouldn't have been so... I I just looked at India matches. So uh, I looked at test totals, which might have resulted in defeats. And India have never made 186 and lost the test. There you go. That's that's a fact that nobody knew. That's a fact. (laughs) They've made 185 and lost. They made Uh 187 and lost. But Uh never made 186 and lost. But... Lost one test match in all these years, having made 168, which kind of you know, 816 if you mix them around. Sure, uh, that, that is a total 168, that is a okay. sequence of three numbers, and that led me down um, uh, a wonderful grape wine, uh, not a grape wine, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found this test match, uh, it, it happened in 1959, and I 
chanced upon a leg spinner who I had not heard much about. Maybe you guys have discussed Tommy Greenhoff before um, on on the final. What have you? I Tommy don't think, Greenhoff. T- don't so think like, Tommy like, Greenhoff has come up. No, Tommy Greenhoff from Lancashire. Fascinating story. Uh, he played only four Test matches, including this famous one at Lords, where he takes a fifer bowling leg spin. Uh, so, so clearly. Uh, must have been a dry pitch and it's only his second test and mm-hmm. those five wickets I mean he took five for 29 I think but those five wickets came in 31 balls for just 12 runs and he could have got a few more wickets Jeffrey because Godfrey Evans missed four stumpings in two overs in what? that spell yeah and Godfrey Evans decided that's it for me that was his last test match wow. it was his 91st test match and he misses four stumps and uh, four stumpings, I should say. And who knows what Tommy Greenhoff would have finished with. But I mean, a fascinating life story. In um, he played for Lancashire in 1950. He was badly injured because he fell 30 feet in an accident. He was working in a cotton mill, and people thought his Test career was over. But he somehow convinced the Lancastrians or the people running the uh-huh. uh, Lan- Lancashire Cricket Board that no, 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 let me just train. I'll come back, I'll, I'll, you know, just give me a chance. And they just said, okay, fine, we'll give you a chance. And then in, 19, in the late 1950s, nine, eight or nine years after, and even in, while he was training to get back, he kept injuring his wrist, his fingers. So he was always injured. Okay. But then towards the late 50s, the pitches started getting a little drier. And uh, the great Cyril Washbrook was his captain. And he started taking wickets. He took, I think, 120 wickets in 1958. And then he breaks into the... Test quarter. And this is also a period, remember, when England primarily picked finger spinners. But they chance take a chance on this leg spinner. He plays, I think, his first test against South Africa. Then in the second test, he he runs through England, runs through India, I should say, takes five wickets. And he has a very good test record after four tests. He hmm. uh, plays two, two test matches against West Indies. But that's about it. Uh, 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 he doesn't play any more uh, tests. And his economy was 1.8 for a leggy, even in that era. Leg spinners were supposed to the flamboyant sauce that they would go at mm. even and a half, four and over and take a lot of wickets. He never did that. He was very economical. Apparently, had a big leg break and a very uh, subtle googly. And he was successful. And then eventually, he played cricket in uh, 1965, first-class cricket. But by the end, he got so uh, uh, inj- or injured so often that eventually had like this very low-slung action. Mm. And Ray Ellingworth famously said, I don't know if you realize, Tommy, but you're bowling on your knees, son. So, you know, that's... But he kept plugging away and eventually Tommy Greenhoff uh, retires. And I think he coached a lot in um, in Lancashire and Middlesex yeah. for a while, but in Manchester for a while. But What does this yeah, have to do with Tommy. 816? Oh, that's the only time, sorry, <laughs> only time India made 168 and lost. Sorry, I should have said that first. <laughs> the only time India made 168 in a test match okay. and uh, batting first and mm-hmm. lost. Okay. It had lost. So maybe yep. it has nothing to do with it. But see, Ramaswamy does this to you. This is what the Ramaswamis do, Jeffrey. Uh, they lead you They lead you down a path. Because, you know, normally, so so we have a number and we have a sequence of numbers, but none of the numbers that we've been given are in the sequence of numbers. Now, the idea of no pledge is we, we, we have a number and we don't know what it means, but if we don't know what the numbers are, <laughs> then, then we've got nowhere to start. So if, <laughs> if anyone has an idea of what this might mean, uh, you can rewind to me reading the clue and see if you can figure it out. What do you, I mean, what, what does Ramaswamy mean if we translate it? Oh, it means um, Rama the Lord. 
Um, oh. So, you know, in another universe, he would have been my elder brother. Parat is the younger brother. So, oh. uh, if if you know your Indian <laughs> mythology, the Ramayana, uh, basically Lord Ram is sent to a 14-year exile to the to the jungle because uh-huh. uh, my mother, who is the second wife of the king, Dashrath, um, wants me to be king. And, you know, she kind of convinces him that, like, you know, send this Ram away. My son needs to be king. But Bharat being Bharat, you know how I am. Like, it's a it's a very apt name. I say, no, 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 no. How can I be king? Like, you know, my it's my older brother's kingdom. So I or Bharat runs after Ram and says, no, no, you have to come back. Don't go because of me. And Ram says, no, I cannot go back on my word. Or once my father asked me to do something, I just have to follow his uh, whatever words. Or uh, whatever he asked me to do his orders, and then he and Bharat says, "Okay, fine, give me your foot footwear, uh, which looked like thongs, you know, like uh-huh. uh, thongs as in the uh, slippers." Yeah. And he says, "No, I'll take them back with me, and I'll put them on the throne. So I will lead lead our kingdom, but not from the throne because that'll always belong to you." A very Bharat thing to do. Okay. Um, yeah, and then Ram Ramaswamy or not Ramaswamy? Yeah, Ramaswamy. In a way, returns fourteen years later and. Uh, yeah, and then it's and that leads to the the famous um, or infamous war with um, Ravana, who's in what people say modern day Sri Lanka, because the mention it's a very controversial topic. Sri Lankans believe Nana, nah, nah, that's not the Lanka that's spoken of there, like yeah, but that's pretty much it. So I think apart from talking about what Ramaswamy wants us to talk about, <laughs> we've spoken about his name, we've spoken about Tommy Greenhouse, who's absolutely had nothing to do with the number. But there you go. That's the point of story time, right? You learn. And you enlighten. Yes, and maybe in 14 years we'll be able to solve Ramaswamy's number. <laughs> Drop us a line, my friend. Help us out. Uh, Dan O'Sullivan has sent through 376 in euros. Ooh la la. He says this. Uh, my note pledge is 376 euros because I live in Ireland, but don't think about the euros. That part is a red herring. It does not refer to a Scottish sprinter, but my favourite player growing up. Only one of what this number refers to, sadly, was at the very top level. So, okay, if he lives in Ireland now and he's talking about Scottish sprinters, we've got to be looking in the UK. Initially, I had no idea what the Scottish sprinter bit meant either. I couldn't find anything relating to 376 and Scottish sprinters, except that 376 Great Britain athletes went to the Tokyo Olympics. Some of them were Scottish. Um, So I couldn't even get the other bit that wasn't the bit that I was supposed to be thinking about. But I thought, okay, probably we're looking for someone, maybe someone who's got one test wicket and then 376 first-class wickets. So I looked through Mm. every England player who has taken one test wicket, nothing there. And then I thought, what if instead it's one test match and 376 first-class games? There are 99 English players who played one test and uh, that number will probably drop actually over the next year or so because Rehan Ahmed, Liam Livingston, Matt Parkinson, yeah. Jamie Overton, Matt Fisher, some out of that group, uh, if not all of them, might play test cricket again. And then if you go back further, it's it's initially it's a tale of sad Ashes stories in That's Mason true. Crane, Scott Borthwick, Boyd Rankin. Well, he played for Ireland as well, but played oh, one test no. for England. Simon, Simon Kerrigan. Milo Kerrigan, uh, yep. Ajmal Shazad back in 2010. So if we go back further, we get to 1995, jackpot. Here is someone who did play 376 first-class matches and one of them was a test match. Alan Wells started at Sussex in 1981. Had his his first 1,000-run season in 1984 and went on to repeat that 10 more times over the next 13 years. 
This is where I joined the dots on the other bit because in 1980, the Olympic gold medal in the 100 metres was taken by a Scotsman named Alan Wells. Also won ah. silver in the 200 that year, uh, won the world champs, three European titles either side, four Commonwealth Games, golds. Won a lot, only had two L's and they were the ones in his name. So that Alan Wells is spelt differently to the batting Alan Wells. And the batting Alan Wells has his peak from 1989 to 1995. He makes 10,354 runs in county cricket alone, averaging nearly 50 in that time. And can't crack the England team. Wins a couple of short-form trophies, uh, has a brief stint on a Rebel tour, don't love that, and becomes mm-hmm. captain of Sussex in 1992. And finally, in the summer of 95, he gets a chance, not in a test match, but in a one-day game. It's the third match against the West Indies. Michael Atherton bats all day, makes 127 from 160, which was probably quick going for him then. Oh, gets yes. out with a couple of overs left in, in the game. And Alan Wells has time to come out and make 15 off 10 balls slogging at the end before getting bowled. That happens in May. And in August, he gets a test match. Again, he's got Atherton at the top. He's got John Crawley. He's got Graham Thorpe. They're all batting so slowly. Strike rates in the 30s, low 40s, facing hundreds of balls. Finally, Alan Wells gets out there. He's facing Kirtley Ambrose, who bounces him inside edge, into the ribs, caught at short leg, first ball, off you shoot. So then he gets to field while the West Indies make 692 for eight. And then when England are trying to save the match, Atherton bats for six hours and does the job. He gets out for 95 and Alan Wells gets in for his last go in the middle. And so the story, the kind of the way the narrative works is poor old Alan Wells, hard done by, you know, only got this one opportunity, duck in the first innings and he's three not out in the second innings. And they're like, oh, you know, only got a chance to make three not out. But I've got a slightly different perspective on that. He was in the middle for 42 minutes at the end of that match. He got nearly three quarters of an hour to enjoy batting out in the middle in a test match. He faced 39 balls and he made three not out. Sure, you're trying to save a test match. Sure, you're batting for a draw. Play some shots. I mean, Jack Russell's due in next. He can bat. You're nearly there. 39 balls. He could have made a 50. He had Graham Hick who'd been out there for three hours at that point and was probably buggered. Alan Wells could have just monopolised the strike, done a Travis head, 50 or 40 balls, happy days. You've got yourself a, a test match 50 and maybe you get to play one more mm. test. So I say, Alan Wells, you should have had some fun while you were at it. Hanging on in quiet desperation is the English way. Um <laughs> Is what Roger Waters said, didn't he? Or that's what he wrote. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, but you know, also in Alan Wells's defense, maybe he thought uh, he didn't realize that was his only test. Maybe he thought showing this because back then, think about it: showing grit and showing hard jump taker, as Ravi Shastri would say, <laughs> against that mighty West Indian attack was considered a big, you know, big tick. So, and Alan Wells, I've only, I mean, every time I hear that name, I uh, always. Uh, you know, I think of someone who scored a lot of runs in county cricket, right? He was one of the, he was the Ashok Malhotra of uh, mm-hmm. county cricket or one of those guys. Uh, the Jamie Cox or the Jimmy Marr, those guys would make a mm-hmm. big run and get like this, or even Stuart Law for that matter, who actually got a 50, didn't he, in his only test match, uh, which Ricky Ponting also debuted in. So, yeah. And I, who would have thought, who would have thought that Vince Wells would end up playing more games than Alan Wells? I think that, that, is uh, something that you know, especially you look at Alan Wells's numbers in 
domestic cricket in Winswells is numbers. It just so happened that Winswells came in that hole. Matthew Fleming, Adam Holyokira, Mark Elaine, and got to play a few ODIs, including, if I'm not mistaken, the 99 World Cup. Or maybe he definitely played the triangular before that. The, the triangular. Oh, the Benson and Hedges one in, uh, in Australia. The, the infamous one with um, Ross Emerson and uh, you know Arjuna Ranatunga getting upset with uh, Murli Dharan being no ball. Yeah, so that and that game, he he played a role in that game where um, there was a lot of aji baji between England and uh, in Sri Lanka. People don't speak about that game enough. I think Jayawardena gets a hundred, and everybody, including Roshan Manama, who, who never lost his school. Gets uh, into a thing with Sri Lanka, uh, the English anyway. Right, that is our number for 376. Thanks, Dan O'Sullivan. Jack Rule, and here's another Oof. tricky one. Oh, we've both been around the houses on this. <laughs> I know. The number is £5.78. The clue is this. When these two came together, they created a rare partnership that could never be broken, one so rare that it could never physically happen, but it has. You could count on one hand the number of times this has happened. And then he followed up saying, the number requires the maths of two people. Physically impossible means they could never play for the same team, even though they played for the same country. I believe it would be the first partnership in a set of three, with the latest being current and famous in Australia. Well, you go first. What do you got? (laughs) Uh, I mean, initially, I thought uh, before we got the additional clues, I thought it had something to do with because the number is 578. It's not a massive, it's not a batting number. It's a bowling number. So I thought it had to do something with maybe wickets. Mm-hmm. So I started looking at guys who played cricket. I mean, guys who took a lot of wickets and maybe a McGraw or Shane Warne at one point together at 578. But then he says that physically they should not have come together. So that ruled it out. Definitely wasn't a batting partnership. Mm. Um I don't know. Then maybe I thought maybe it's a generational thing because he says physically it would not have been possible. Yeah. Uh, maybe father and son combinations, mm-hmm. grandfather, father and son combinations. Uh, but, Same type you know, of player, is, like a, like an old school leg yeah. spinner and a new school leg spinner or Legs, something. Absolutely, yeah, like a Clary Grimmett and uh, someone else, like you know, or uh, Ashley Mallet and Nathan Lyon. It could be mm-hmm. anything, but. Yeah, I I went round and round, but the numbers just didn't tally up. Five seventy eight, unless he's uh, pulling off a, pulling a Ramaswamy on us and mm. saying, you know uh, saying the numbers don't matter as much as uh, the the clue does. Mm. Um, Five seventy eight just didn't stand out. Uh, I know you went went another route, uh, and did you find any success? In that well, this is what I was thinking. Right, a partnership they could never play for the same team, even though they played for the same country, and right. I thought. What about Mitchell Stark and Elisa Healy? Mm. They both play for Australia. They can't play for the same team because they're split by men's and women's teams. So they're playing for the same country. They can't play in the same team. And Mm. he said a set of three partnerships with the latest being current and famous in Australia. So that works, right? That matches up. They are current Mm. and famous in Australia. But that also implies that... the the answer is not about them because they're the latest example and this is about the first example. Yeah. So so even when I looked at their numbers, I mean, it's close-ish. As Mitchell Stark's played 240 matches for Australia. Elisa Healy's played 236. So that's 476. We're looking for 578. But if that's the current example and it has to be an earlier example, I mean, there are quite a few couples in women's cricket at the moment. Mm. Catherine Brunt, Natalie Siver... Marazan Cap, 
Dane van Eekirk, Amy Satterthwaite, Leah Tahuhu, but they all play in the same teams. So yeah. if you're looking for cross-border relationships, there's Lindsay Askew and Alex Blackwell are married. Lindsay mm-hmm. played for England. Alex played for Australia. Um, Hayley Jensen is married to Nicola Hancock. They both, I mean, they play Big Bash. Hayley Jensen plays for New Zealand. Nicola Hancock hasn't played for Australia, but they're current couples as well. Mm. So if you're going back further, you don't have, there are no playing couples that I could find across an earlier era. There is um, Denise Annatz, who was married to Ross Emerson, the umpire. But and, and who opened the batting in a test match in uh, well in a few test matches for Australia. But so I, I feel like I'm on the right track here, but I don't know how to pin it down. So I'm going to say at this point, Jack for five seven eight, we're running up the white ensign. If anybody listening thinks that they can solve this clue, we've spent yeah. about a week talking about it. Oh man, and we you have we no haven't idea, Jack. No. <laughs> You have no idea. I even got Isha involved into this. I said, like, what could it mean? What what could he mean by saying that physically it's impossible that it has mm. to be two different? I even looked at Ian Healy and Alicia. Yeah. You know, uh, Ian Healy, Alicia Healy and Mitchell Stark together. <laughs> all sorts. <laughs> because he said three. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the, what's the, like, you know, that, those are, that's the gender can be the only reason I can see two mm. uh, two people who played for the same country but if it's physically impossible, because mm. even generations can match, like mm. or uh, yeah, I mean, a grandfather can never play cricket with his grandson, but that's the closest I can think of. Well, I mean, Shivner and Chanderpaul just about did, but yeah, look, maybe maybe if you tally all of the you know the chapels and and Victor Richardson, maybe. you get there. Victor but uh, at this point, we don't know. Uh, so, Jack, you can send us any further messages you want. If anybody else thinks they know, drop us a line and see if you can give us a nudge in the right direction. Parrot is waving a white handkerchief literally <laughs> at the camera at the moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, I'm Ebony Rainford Brent, and you're listening to the final word with Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon. Uh, a double header up next. It is RJ and Simon Ward who have both sent through two pounds fifty six. Two five six is our number. Uh, I'm going to take RJ's first. Here goes the clue. The number represents the total match tally for a player who has recently been in the news in a poignant game for all cricket fans. The game unfortunately ended in heartbreak for this player and his fans, but set the tone for what was to follow in the next few years. Well, this rang a bell with me immediately because this is one of my favourite test matches, RJ. This is Adelaide, 2014. It's oh, after yes. Philip Hughes has died. They've oh. rejigged the test schedule. India's accommodated, delaying the first test and moving it to Adelaide. And, and I mean, it's, it's deeply emotional when it starts out. It's, it's an yeah. extraordinarily loaded few days leading up there's that 
moment with David Warner being interviewed where the day before where he says he hasn't been able to go into the nets you know he's he's just been too nervous to bat he's been in there sort of throwing balls and helping other people but he, he couldn't bring himself to pick up a bat and then he comes out on the first morning and just lays into Varun Aaron just six or seven drives oh. to the boundary in the first half dozen overs just thrashes him away goes on to make a hundred Steve Smith makes a hundred Michael Clark makes his 28th and last test century before he gets injured 517 for seven declared India pretty good in reply they get to 444 they've got contributions all around the order from Murali Vijay, Pajara, Rahane, Rohit Sharma but 115 for Kohli is what it's built around and this is his first time captaining the side as you'll remember Parat because Emma Stoney's absent with an injury of some sort I can't remember what it was but Rudiman Saha came in as the keeper so Nathan Lyon's taken five for 134. The Australians want a declaration. They want to push for a win. They're really desperate to try to win this game because of the emotional significance and, and not yeah. let it become a draw. So Warner makes twin tons, 102, quick rate. Smith's 52, not out. Uh, Mitchell Marsh bombing them, three sixes straight down the ground at the end that I remember well, 40 off 26. Karan Sharma, the poor old leg spinner who they brought in as a surprise pick in that match going at six and over in the second innings. And they've set India 364. And this is, you know, aside from the sad start of this test match, this is what I remember when I think about it is that fifth day. It might be my favourite fifth day of a test. Because I, 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 I think that Coley's innings on that last day, I think that's, that's close to the best I've seen. It's it's that and it's mm. A.B. de Villiers in Port Elizabeth in 2018. Mm. Just an incredible innings against the reversing ball in terms of innings that I've actually seen live. So a couple of wickets go down early and, and so it's Murali Vijay and Kohli batting and Murali Vijay is battling. He's mistiming everything. He's inside edging everything. He's all over the place. He somehow makes 99 when it looks like he'll get out about 83 times mm. along the way. And Kohli... In the meantime, just looks like a million bucks. He's defending well, he's counter-attacking and eventually Lyon pins VJ leg before wicket just. I remember on the knee roll, I think, as he's going back for 99. They need 122 more to win. Rahane, duck, same over, caught it short leg, didn't hit it. No DRS in that series because India didn't like DRS, so that one might have cost him. And Coley goes, okay, we're in trouble here. I've, I've just got to start going for it. And this is what I remember from that last day is the way he was driving Lyon against the turn. There were these huge footmarks. It was mm. turning a mile and Lyon's dropping it right in the footmarks and turning it back into the right-hander who's driving against the spin through cover for four. I mean, just some sensational shots in that innings. And he's going for it. Rohit Sharma gets caught at leg slip for six. Saha comes out and just decides to try to bomb everything. He hits a six and a four and then charges and has a big swing and misses, gets clean bowled by Lyon. So they've got 60 to get at this point. He's got the tail for company. Coley decides he needs to go for it. Tries a big hit over deep midwicket, doesn't get enough of it. Mitchell Marsh runs in and takes this tumbling catch. The tail falls away, Lyon ends up with seven for 152 and they're all out for 315. So they're short by oh, about 40 runs, 39 runs. And uh, within a couple of weeks, really, Coley's the regular captain when Dhoni retires in Melbourne. He takes that attacking attitude into the next few years for Indian cricket, changes the way that that team thinks about things. And the 141 that he makes... In the second innings, added to the 115 in the first, makes it 256 runs for the match. That's the 2-5-6 for RJ. 
Perfect. Yeah, the most emotional test match I have ever covered. You're right. And uh, yeah, David Warner, I do remember. I did. I was there right behind him in the nets. He had. He tried batting at Park 25. Will you remember Australia did a an outdoor net session? They wanted you know mm. to show that they were trying their best to kind of move on. It was, it was a very emotional practice session. And David Warner kept breaking down, kept breaking down. And I, I actually found a piece that I'd written about it for the newspaper, the Indian Express back then. Yeah, it's quite, uh, it was emotional writing it. And yeah, you're right. It changed, that game, like Ajay said, and you said, completely changed India's outlook, even though they lost. That told them that they will go for victory. Regardless, because I remember Rahul Dravid was doing commentary. He was sat with a couple of us uh, Indian journalists and he couldn't believe how the tail batted. And I'll never forget my intro for my copy that day. Saha 6, Saha 4, Saha out. <laughs> that was my <laughs> intro for the day. <laughs> uh, and significant also that Nathan Lyon had never taken five wickets in the fourth inning. So he does that for the first time. And then when the last wicket falls, they just organically, automatically land up together. Uh, where they had Philip Hughes' number etched on the grass. And and also on a personal level for me, that's when that was my first trip to Adelaide. Mm. And that's when I decided, someday I'll call this home and here I am sitting huh. with you speaking from Adelaide. Ah, that's a beautiful little tie-in at the end. So you've got the 256 for Simon Ward, uh, no clue attached, open field. What did you do? Three quick 256s for you. The great Ken Barrington made 256 in what was considered one of the dullest games ever played in <laughs> at Old Trafford, where, uh, I mean, Bob Simpson was uh, uh, heavily uh, criticised. He makes 311 as well. And Ted Dexter is the flamboyant Ted Dexter, uh, Ted Dexter is the England captain. Australia trying to draw this test so that they, they retain the ashes. So Bob Simpson makes 311 and then Bob uh, Ken Barrington faces over 600 balls. So uh, come on, Teddy. It's not like your battles were doing, I mean, not, forget basketball. It's not like they were going for a win either. Yeah. So um, uh, it, I think Australia make over 600 runs in their first innings, it's 656 for eight declared. And then uh, England reprieve with uh, 611 when Barrington makes the 256. And by that time, it's so Australia faced 255 overs, England faced 293 overs. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> And people were Imagine. complaining about Brisbane being a two-day <laughs> test match. Like, come on. I know. So that's Ken Barrington for you. Sure, other quick mentions. Uh, again, um, English. I, I think I'm on a Lancastrian. Uh, um, uh, it's a Lancastrian hat-trick for me. Absolutely. Kenneth uh, Cranston was too cool for cricket. What a guy. What a character. He played mm -hmm. eight test matches. But have a bowling average of 25.61. Another flamboyant all-rounder. Uh, bowled more than, than batted, but was a dental officer in the Navy and eventually he, he gave up cricket because he found, you know, as dental practice school, his father mm. ran a dental practice and he wanted to run it. Captain Lancashire was, uh, I think, president of the board in, uh, or president of the Lancashire Cricket Board in the 90s. But like, yeah, I mean, got lots of wickets. I think he took four wickets in five balls uh, on, on debut against South Africa. He's known for that. Uh, didn't play much, but ended up with a wonderful bowling average of 25.16. And then Frank Hayes, who averaged 25.6 in mm. ODI cricket, obviously famous for having started off his test career in brilliant fashion with 100. But yeah, it, it's one of the biggest falls in not grace, but the when you speak of someone who, uh, when you think of someone as a flash in the pan, Frank Case is right up there, right? Makes 106 not out on debut. And then in 16 innings after that, makes just uh, 
138 more runs <laughs> which Oof. kind of then ends up with a test average of 15.25 after nine tests after having made a test 100 on debut so wow. not very good but frank hayes did average 25.6 so a few 25.6 when i think ken barrington mm. wins with his 256 frank you got to know when to hold them know when to fold them Know when to walk away, know when to run. <laughs> I still maintain that Adam Virtus should have walked off the field during his 20th test innings when he got his average up to about 101.6. Should have. Should have. Uh, yeah, that's it. Time to pull the pin on all the stats <laughs> lists. See you later. Uh, off you shoot. All right, that is our 256 for RJ and Simon Ward. Let us know. Uh, get in touch if we've got your number right or wrong. Uh, or you just want to have a chat, drop us a message. Um, you can do that on the chat page, the final word chat page on Discord, or you can send us a DM on Patreon, whatever you like. John Rees is next, £5.67. The clue here, Barat, says this. The clue is a word, but not a gesture, if you've seen tenet. The word is gradage. Now, I mean, this confused me for a while as well. I have seen tenet. Tenet is a film, mm. if, uh, if you're not aware of it it's an extremely confusing it's a jonathan nolan movie i mean i don't know if you know the work of jonathan nolan but he likes doing confusing stuff this is one of the more confusing movies i've watched in terms of you know mainstream cinema like yeah you can find a lot more weird art house films and whatever but it's up there with memento as movies that are just really hard to get your head around because it's about time moving forwards and backwards at the same time. It's about people moving backwards through time, even as time is moving forwards and vice versa. So the two strands of backwards and forwards time coexist and they intertwine. So I was trying to work out... I mean, I watched this on a plane and uh, there's. I think this is medically provable that any movie you watch on a plane you think is much better than it is because there's something about high altitude makes you highly emotional. It makes you more emotionally receptive for some reason. And so you tend to get off planes going, that's the best movie I've ever seen. I've been wondering about this a long time. You know how I am, Jeffrey. I'm Mm. the least emotional, sentimental person you'll see. But every time I watch a movie on, on, on a plane... Like I have like tears in my eyes, even yeah. if it's like a like it's not a very yep. uh, you know very serious sort of. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah it's, a, the it's it's an observed phenomena. Um, oh, yeah, wow. I mean, I I cried watching Frozen on a plane. It, it it'll happen. You can watch the most anodyne rom com, and you'll still probably get a bit yeah. teary at the end. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, imagine Hugh Grant making. Sorry, I've, yeah. I don't watch Hugh Grant on the but like I did once, and then it made me very emotional. Well, I mean, you know, Andy McDowell. She's standing there in the rain, and 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 she just wants to come in out of the rain, she, both literally and metaphorically. <laughs> and he has the opportunity to offer her shelter, but instead he steps outside into the rain as if to say, "If you're going through this, I will do it with you." I mean, yes. that's all anybody wants, isn't it? That's all anybody wants. We're all terrified. We're all clinging to the face of a rock, hurtling through space at horrifying speeds, knowing nothing except the fact that we're all going to die. And we will someday. All we want is someone to do it with us, you know, someone to take us to the end. That's all. So, yeah, that's why you get emotional on planes. But I mean, if I do, uh, if I do go down in a flight, because you know, I, I. I want you to be with there with me, Jeffrey. No, <laughs> not because you're like you know. But it'll be a good good way to go. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about interesting things. I learn about something mm-hmm. 
you know, before before it's time. We'll we'll watch a little movie. We'll have a little cry we will. as we as hey. we look, as we look towards the end. You can only you can only do it with a, a heart full of joy. What does Joanna Newsom say? Life is blissfully thundering towards death in a stampede. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, uh. here we go. So this movie I thought was very good, but I watched it on a plane, so I can't guarantee that it was very mm. good, but I think it was. I looked back over stuff around the film. Was it something to do with John David Washington, who plays the main character? Robert Pattinson mm. was in it. Did a good job, actually. Anything with the names that linked to something mm. about cricket? No. So, so I think it's not about the gesture. It's about the word, just the word. The word is gradage. G-R-A-D-I-D-G-E. And Gradage is the name of a cricket bat maker of years past. Uh, it was oh. a company started in 1870 by a fellow called Herbert Gradage and later he added the family and it became Gradage and Sons. Uh, not just cricket stuff, they made hockey sticks, tennis rackets, golf clubs, uniforms, footballs, all kinds of sporting goods. In 1931 they merged with Slazenger. Um, so Gradage keeps making stuff under its own name. And when World War II rolls around, they transition the Slazenger and Gradage factories to help make stuff for the war effort. So instead of making sporting goods, they make bits and pieces of uniforms, gloves, holsters. Um, they make the, because they do timber stuff, they make the wooden stocks for a lot of the rifles and machine guns and things like that. They make detonator caps, bayonet handles, all these these wooden goods. And the company carries on as Slazenger, Gradage, Sykes and Ayres until 1959, gets sold to Dunlop. And a lot of the big names are using the bats at the time. You know, Dennis Compton, one of England's best. Uh, I mean, you mentioned mm. Ken Barrington earlier. There's There are only eight England players who average over 50 in Test cricket, and, and we're mentioning most of them. Barrington's in there. Dennis Compton's in there. Um, yeah. Roy Marshall didn't play for England. He was a white West Indies player who played four Tests. 602 first-class games, though, 504 <laughs> of them for Hampshire, over 35,000 first-class runs. Um, he always used a gradage, loves the hook shot apparently. You remember the cricket bat guitars in the World Cup in 2019? Those, mm. Remember they had guys at the ground like, you oh, know, yeah, 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 yeah. Of sort course, of yeah. pretend cool yeah, rock guitarists yeah, 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 playing yeah. cricket bat guitars. There's a company that makes cricket bat guitars on really old bats and there's one that's based on a gradage bat that's named the Len Hutton. Oh. Because wow. Len Hutton used a Gradage and Cyril Washbrook used a Gradage and they're the great post-war opening pair for England. So they of course. batted together, opened together using Gradage bats. I'm looking for five, six, seven. They averaged 58 together, not, not 56.7. But someone who did average 56.7 across his career is Hutton, who's one of those eight English players to average over 50. So Yorkshire professional, first professional captain of England, led England 23 times in 79 tests, almost exclusively opening the batting. All of that happens with World War II in the middle of his career as well. Uh, so he makes that famous 364 against Australia at the Oval. He's only 22 years old when that happens. He makes three other doubles, uh, misses World War II, obviously, and still has a, a first-class career that goes from 1934 to 1955, over 40,000 runs, 129 hundreds. He's fourth on the list ever for the most runs in a season. In 1949, he made 3,429 runs in the first-class season <laughs> in 33 games. So he was going at better than 100 a match, uh, converting those. So 129 hundreds in his career, a lot of it made with a gradage bat. 
That's the 5.67, the 56.7 test average of Len Hutton. Oh, that's outstanding. That is uh, that made me a little emotional. Listen to you breaking it uh, down, and I'm not even in an airplane right now, so <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> All right, I've got one more for you. Yeah, this comes in from Bala Sivaraman. It is five dollars sixty-seven. It's in USD, and there is a clue. And the clue says this: Gone, BB, gone at ninety. Right. So we did we did break our head over this one as well. Uh-huh. And uh, then you gave me a hint. You said, could he be speaking about Bibi Nimbalkar, the famous Bibi Nimbalkar? And, you know, not many have played cricket with, uh, many with those initials, but Bibi uh, uh, stands out, right? He was he was Bibi, uh, mm. of course, his full name was, uh, and I'll break it down to you. It's, it's it's a it's a great name, Bahu Saheb Baba Saheb Nimbalkar. So Bahu Saheb, I mean, it, it doesn't directly translate to this, but in a way, it means brother boss. So that's pretty oh. cool. Uh, Baba Bahu Saheb, Baba Saheb could be father boss. So it's brother boss, father boss. I mean, really? in, in, I mean, in a way, yeah, that's what it means. Yeah, dad so boss, brother, brother boss. Hi, my name's Dad Boss, brother boss. I mean, dad that's boss, a pretty strong boss. name. It's like that's I'm cool. I'm cool. We're gonna get along, you know, brother. I, I'm also a boss, but I'm also yeah. your dad. So like, respect me, but we're gonna be friendly. There you go. Yeah, brother boss, father boss, Nimbalka. But like, mm. <laughs> uh, you know, his name was doing the rounds last week because Prithvi Shaw at one point when he was smashing Assam around. Uh, yep. nearly got close to the famous BB Nimbalkar record, which is uh, his highest first-class score, which is still the highest first-class score made by an Indian, which is 443 not out in a game for Maharashtra versus Khatiawar back in 1948. And Shaw got 379 and he he fell short. Uh, but every he had not many have had as good an opportunity as Prithvi Shaw did because there was so much mm. time left. In Mumbai, I've been playing baseball this year and Ranji Trophy, I see, look up there. They're always scoring at over five and over. Even Rahane is scoring very quickly. Uh, but um, even though it doesn't have a direct implication to the clue, which is gone, BB gone at 90, because Bob, uh, Mr. Nambalkar did live till he was uh, 92, he died the day before he would have turned 93, which is sad, which he died 11 years ago. Uh, but he's, of course, famous for that 443. And it did send me down um, uh, one of those holes where I I ended up learning a, a lot about the princely states of India because that game was, he was playing for Maharashtra, <laughs> which still exists as a state. But uh-huh. he was up against one of the many princely states who's continued playing in Ranji Trophy cricket, like the Holkers, till independence. This is still in the wake of India becoming independent and the people mm-hmm. didn't know what to do with the princely states. And then, of course, all of them got, uh, you know, kind of bought into India and became part of different states. So Kathiawad, who he played against, um, why we need to speak about it is uh, the captain of Katiawad in that game was, of course, uh, the king of the princely state. Oh. His, his Highness the Thakur Sahib of uh, Rajkot, who was, if I'm not mistaken, the, the nephew of uh, Ranjit Singh. So a lot of people, famous cricketers, have come from the Katiawad region and they continue to come from, uh, or that region continues to produce cricketers because that later on became uh, Saurashtra which is not a state in its own. It's still a part of the biggest state of Gujarat where we'll be headed to Ahmedabad. But Ahmedabad is in a different part of Gujarat, closer to Mumbai. Rajkot is right in the corner. Rajkot is the capital of what 
is the region of Saurashtra who also play domestic cricket as Saurashtra. So yeah, the likes of Ravindra uh, Jadeja and Cheteshwar Pujara and Jadeja Unadkar who come from that region. But going back to the the king, the reason why Nimbalkar was 443 not out when he was just nine runs short of beating Don Bradman's record of 452, which was the highest first-class score at that point, is because, and this is what you do when you're the captain of the team, and also the king of the princely, uh, or, or king of the uh, of, of your kingdom, is uh, the captain of Katyawad got a little bored. So Maharashtra, uh, you know, so Katyawad get bowled out for 238, and then Nimbalkar starts batting. And then he bats, and he bats, and he bats, and he's joined by uh, S.D. Diodar, who's the son of the guy who the Diodar Trophy is is named after. They keep batting and batting and batting, and at, at one point, the score's well over 800, and, and they take a tea break. And also, they were well within touching distance of the highest score in first-class cricket, though, which the Holkers, the other... Uh, princely state that I spoke about had made 912 the previous year or a couple of years prior to that. And um, uh, so Maharashtra is well on track to beat that record as well. But at the tea break, the king says, you know what? I've had enough. I can't be fielding for anymore. He bowls two overs, goes for 16 runs. And he's also made one of only two half centuries of his career in the first innings. It's a big game for the king. But then he says, uh, you know what? I've had enough. So you either declare now or be forfeiting the game. And Maharashtra are like, wait, but our man is going to break the great Sir Don Bradman's record and we are going to break this record. He's like, no, nothing doing. You either declare or we forfeit. And they say, no, we won't declare. So he just packs up his bags, takes his team and they board the train and they're out of there. They, they, this game is happening in Pune. And that's it. Ba- Bausab Nimbalkar wow. never gets to break the record. He has, He's stranded on 443. So they forfeited the Liz- game. They forfeited the game. They just boarded the train and went back to, you know, to Katiawar. So, <laughs> <laughs> and also, in a way, when you think about and okay, and the connection to the number is uh, Nimbalkar averaged fifty six point seven in Ranji Trophy cricket. I think it's first class average. He did play. He never played for India in a Test match. He played an unofficial Test against a Commonwealth team around that same period. He he in later years he would say that he was un- unfortunate that he never got to play. He never had a he had a great record. I mean, you averaged 56.7 in Ranji Trophy cricket. I think he played 19-20 games. It's not a bad record. But there were just other superior players uh, around India at that point. But also going back to the king. I mean, I felt bad for him in a way that all his princely powers had been taken away the previous year. Once India mm. gets independence, like I said. So, he's lost that. So, he's still, he's at this left. point, it's still a princely. He's, that's all he's got left, right? Control over a cricket match or his cricket team. And he's made a, made his highest score in the, on day one. So he's feeling really good about himself, but, right? Like, but, he, and so because he has power left, his one decision is, I'm going to fuck over this guy who's trying to get the record <laughs> because I don't care. About, maybe he's just, you know, he's, he's those people who are, who are saying, why are you so obsessed with Scott Poland's bowling average like because it's interesting because it we is, like stuff like that maybe he just didn't care about stuff like that maybe he just wasn't into it but well, i mean that is that is the ultimate sort of cock blocking move just to be like <laughs> oh oh you're on uh 399 are you buddy oh well off we come so, oh, yeah getting a bit bored time to head off 
and and the, the story is even like the excuse given by 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 him and his team is that no no we respect don bradman too much which is like, even more <laughs> i'm not even kidding they say we respect don bradman too much you can't be breaking this record like you know who are you nimbalkar uh, like, <laughs> yeah yeah who are you in the same breath as the don nimbalkar yeah and, and they, they and there's also this thought that like you know if he breaks the record then the our team our team will always be associated with this record of the highest total was scored against them and the highest individual score was scored against them and the and the prince said no nah, i don't want anything to do with this take it away like you know i don't want to be associated and he also at that point adds right. insult to injury and says as they board the train yeah you know the don would not appreciate uh, nimbalkar breaking his record but nimbalkar oh. has always claimed that the great don bradman the previous evening sent him a telegram I, i don't know how true this is saying that no i want you to break my record and nimbalkar also also always claimed that uh, i'm sure i'm not claim uh, that that's unfair uh, he always yep. said that bradman always rated nimbalkar's innings higher than bradman's innings i don't know how he got Oh yeah, yeah. He he was reading the telegram descriptions of it. I'm sure that that were being <laughs> sent off the synthetic recreations of uh, Ranchi Trophy cricket. So so I I think I've misunderstood. So the prince is running the other team. He's not running Nimbalko's team. Oh no 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 no. He's the opposition. Yeah, like, you know. So that yeah, ma- that's so. even worse because if it's <laughs> yeah, if it's the <laughs> random prince running your own team, it's like nah, I'll get out of here. But if it's the guy running the opposition who says, you know what? <laughs> Fuck it, you know we're out. We're done. We're not bowling to this guy anymore. Um, yeah, oh, that's I mean, pretty that, much what happened. That's what the twelve-year-olds bowling to Pranav Danavade should have done. You know, should have done. <laughs> you know, should have walked away when he was on six hundred. It's like, mate, <laughs> that's it. All right, we're going home. We, we have cartoons to watch. <laughs> that's exactly what should they should have done. They should have taken taken inspiration from the the Prince of Kathiawar, but uh, unfortunately <laughs> they didn't. Unfortunately for uh, Nimbalkar, even though the record still stands, so Prithvi yep. Shaw did get out um, respectfully some sixty runs or fifty five yeah, runs. Well, he didn't want to break Nimbalkar's record. That would have been inappropriate. <laughs> It would have been, and I think he would have also been. Uh, feared the fact that Assam might just pack up their bags, board the train, and leave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, But it, it's 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 an amazing story. It's an amazing oh, story. What yeah. a tale! All right, I've got one more. I've got one more for you. This is a double header. It is Mike Breda and Alan Edgar, two pounds twelve. And given they've got the same currency and the same number, and there's not a clue attached, I thought maybe this will be the same answer. Two one two. Which initially I thought might be a Julian Goswami kind of number because it was a, came in around about the time when she played her last game, I think, and two hundred ish are numbers that I think of when I think of her. Two hundred and four ODIs, add in twelve Test matches, that's two fourteen, not two twelve, so not there. Two fifty three ODI wickets, so it doesn't fit there. We've talked plenty of times about. Bradman's two twelve in Adelaide in nineteen thirty seven. You know, of course, BB Nambarko got, got declared on on two hundred and ten sometimes, so that he couldn't break Bradman's two hundred and twelve. I'm sure. Nineteen thirty seven, the fourth Ashes Test after the big comeback in the MCG in that crazy series. So probably not going to go back there. Could be Merv Hughes Test wickets two hundred and twelve Test wickets. He's been floating around during the summer doing commentary as well. We've crossed paths with Merv Hughes a bunch of times. Uh, Michael Atherton. Been on the show today. Batted 212 times in Test cricket, and two of those innings were stopping Alan Wells from getting a hit. Um, <laughs> but here's here's where I've ended up. I thought I want to have a little look at the career of James Anderson, 
And, and I thought, I want to find a, a dividing point partway through the career. It's got to be at the start of a series. And, and my marker was this, the first test of the 2015 Ashes, the start of that 2015 Ashes mm. series, the draw in Cardiff. So the first chunk of his career to that point is 104 test matches and he's taken 406 wickets in that time, which is already an amazing career on bulk. I mean, it's already a bigger career than just about any fast bowler going around. The, the only fast bowlers to have played more than 104, Ishant Sharma, 105, Sean Pollock, 108, Chamindavas, 111, Glenn McGrath, 124, Kapil Dev, 131, Courtney Walsh, 132. And then you've got Stuart Broad, who's now up to 159, and Anderson now up to 177, the absolute outliers, the pair of freaks that they are. So that first bit, 104 mm. tests, 406 wickets, and the caveat there is that the average is 29.42. So it's a, a bit high when you have those conversations about the great fast bowlers. You go, well, you know, more expensive by a significant chunk than some of the others in those conversations. From that Cardiff test match on, the second part of his career, 73 test matches, 272 wickets at 21.2 which is our number. And I thought maybe that, maybe that is something that an interested party might get into because, I mean, that's a fast bowling career on its own as well. You know, we, we oh, yeah, yeah. talked up Mitchell Stark taking his 300th in Brisbane, wasn't it? Um, so mm. 272, I mean, that's yeah. a, a proper fast bowler's career and that's just the second bit, not even the second half, it's less than half of the career of Jimmy Anderson. 73 tests. 272 wickets at 21.2. Uh, that's my punt for Mike Brader and Alan Edgar, that they might be looking at that second part of... Uh, I mean, it is hard to get your head around that career. I know we've talked about it before, but every time it keeps coming mm. up, the fact that he's just going to roll around for another summer and give it another go uh, is, is extraordinary. No, oh, It's just... Uh, yeah, I, I don't think we'll be able to put it into perspective for a few years after he retires as well. Like, you know, when you see other fast bowlers and when you start calling other fast bowling careers, is great. And, you know, we speak about um, just how long, long they have lasted in terms of, like, their bodies. Then there'll be Jimmy Anderson. I think he's he is the, he's like Sachin Tendulkar. I mean, you can't speak of him the same breath or you can't speak of anyone else in the same breath as him. And also, I think... I think uh, our friends are talking about the 212 that Wasim Jafar made, like, you know, Twitter sensation <laughs> in recent times, Wasim Jafar. Uh, but uh, the, one of the most elegant batters I've ever had the privilege of writing on. I've seen a lot of Wasim Jafar for Mumbai mm -hmm. and uh, a little bit for India when, when I was writing. And yeah, so I'm sure that they're talking about the famous 212 in Antigua. All right, that is it for us for today. If you want to play Nerd Pledge, go to patreon.com slash the final word. You'll find us there. You can pop a number in. You can help us keep making the show and you can get involved with all of the fun. You can also get access to the final word chat page where there are literally hundreds of people just hanging out in there talking about cricket now. It's the nicest corner of the internet and a great place to be. And now, well, it's going to be 38 degrees in Melbourne tomorrow, so I'm going to head down to the beach. Uh, you're going to go and pat your dogs. I noticed Elfie behind you just looking around the corner of the door earlier, <laughs> longing for you to finish recording the podcast and come and speak to him. So let's call it a day there. Jeff Lemon, Barrett Cinderacen. This has been The Final Word. See you next time. You know what I, meant here. I had to go.